welcome friends. It's Cindy Silva. We're on the Metaphysical Wisdom platform, and I'm here with Peter Panagor. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for having me. We're by coastal I here. You're over there in the Pacific. I'm out on the Atlantic. Exactly. We have a big arc here. Call it the metaphysical arc here, connecting us. Yeah, I was really curious to have you on the show to share your experience of your NDE, near-death experience, for those unfamiliar. Um, but more than that, I'm really curious about how you've integrated that experience into your daily life. How have you made it practical? How have you made it work for yourself and for others? And um, however you want to take that and run with it, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Cindy. And thanks for having me on. And hello, everybody. Uh, I died ice climbing in 1980 in Alberta, Canada. And I'll, I won't tell the whole story because it's long. And it's available in books and, and maybe a movie soon. Uh, but I'd rather talk about the experience itself, not the whole build up to it. It was high adventure. We froze. I had hypothermia, frostbite, froze to death, made a mistake, stuck on the mountain through the night. And sometime before dawn, as hypothermia advanced to its end stages, we were still stuck with the rope jammed 100, 150 feet up on, an, on a climb. We were off the ice and on the rock at this point. I had a climbing partner who's a certified ice climber. And I, I, the mistake I made, I'll tell you what the mistake I made was. I, I, I climbed with an axe and a hammer instead of two hammers. It was my first ice climb, but I, I knew enough about mountains and, and mountaineering to know that uh, I should probably have done something different. In any case, we were about 150 feet up, 100 feet up, and we were clipped into the mountain. So I was wearing a harness and I had a carabiner attached to us, another carabiner attached to a strap that attached to the mountain with a pin that was epoxied in and, a, and an O-ring, an iron O-ring. And my, my climbing partner, Tim, was to my left and the, the rope was jammed in up around the corner and I, and I couldn't pull it free no matter what I did. It was, the more I pulled, the tighter it got. And by this point, uh, my feet were blocks of ice. I, I, where now this is a, this is a result. I live with the results of my day of my of my day and night. Um, I ha I have circulation problems in my hands, which is fine. You know, I I don't I make adjustments. And I think that's that actually gets to what you suggested, and I'm glad we can talk about in a minute or two. Is that near death experience is a matter of readjusting in the world. I I came back completely different person. And nothing around me, no one around me had changed but me, but I was, I, then I had to learn to readjust to this, to this and to this, to the upward and inward and the outward as well. So, but that's, that's didn't happen quite yet in my story. Hyperthermia advanced to the end stages and I began to fall asleep and I would pull myself back up and I would collapse to the rock and I'd pull myself back up. And I stood back up this one time, and as I stood up, I got tunnel vision, which is the like a, a black peripheral line all around my head, but it extended out beyond my fingertips. And it, it moved with me as I moved, and it collapsed rapidly as I, as I was watching. And I was, was uh, I, I should also say this, I, I, should, I should introduce myself a little bit and say that um, I'd been uh, on the National Ski Patrol since I was in high school. 
I had been a boy scout until I was till I was 16 and an explorer scout scout till I was 18 so I could go backpacking. I was a I was an outdoor backpacking summer, fall, winter, spring, every season, every weather. So this was my element that climbed a lot too in the, in the higher peaks, New England and out west. So I guess that's my way of saying that I wasn't completely out of my head. I just made a major mistake, mm -hmm. um, which cost me my life. And so as I was up there and I watched this tunnel vision collapse, it, it, I, I watched it and I thought, oh, I must be falling asleep again. And, and as it collapsed, and I didn't lose consciousness because every time I fell asleep, my my curtain would go down like that and I'd be, and then I hit the rock and I get back up again. But this time I, it went out and I was still aware. And in this awareness state, I was confused because I, the mountain disappeared. I knew that I should be asleep, and yet I was more conscious than I had been moments before, and I had no pain. And there was no, my feet didn't hurt anymore. My feet were cold, extreme cold is like putting your foot in a, in a bed of coals. It's, it burns like fire until it stops burning at which point there's a problem and or beginning of a serious problem and so part of me had reached that place but all my pain was gone and so i'm in this dark space and i and i'm confused and I, in front of me this darkness then expands and opens and it becomes this expanse of darkness and not and, and it was a strange darkness because way way far in the distance it expanded to this this size of the universe type of expansion and it was darkness but way far away was like a singular star and the singular star popped into being and this uh, this from this singular star the darkness illuminated although it was simultaneously still dark and i'm talking in metaphor now and and there's all sorts of paradoxes this is not a place of any sort of thing i was in a no thing place i was a thingless th consciousness and this this light rushed across the across this vast distance in an instant and as it came at me it filled my vision and then it communicated to me telepathically i'm taking you and i put up my wall of willpower that i had been building all night long in this deep brained mammalian reptilian survival sort of instinctual movement forward that dug this very large hole inside myself where I found the this animalistic strength to move forward. And I had this this great power of survival. And I put that up as a shield. And it was as if it was nothing. And as it communicated to me, I'm taking you, I said, no, you're not. And it just took me as and I was like a, a, a like a rag doll in a river. And just with this thing, no, I I, I had consciousness but i had no capacity for um agency for movement or for self-control and i was encased inside of this being of light and I, I i know this being of light because this being of light had encountered me as a child and and it's it's transpositioned it's it's where i am and in its it's in a sort of limited form of its full self, which is also where it is. So it is there and it is here and I am in it. And I can see that it's that it is this other voice 
that is transported speaking to me. And it's speaking to me non-linguistically inside of me, flowing into me as I'm in it like a like uh, uh, I'm in like this big, huge cloud, this layered cloud of light, and I'm in the middle of it, and I have a body of light, and it's no thing. It has no molecules and no muons, and it's not electricity, and it's not photons, and it's just something that's not physical whatsoever. And I and I, but I still have like a form to me. I'm and I can see my own form, and. And all this is happening at the same time. And it's in, so this entity is all intelligence and it's infilling me. It's telling me, it's showing me it's all intelligence. It's showing me comfort. I am in the most comfortable place. I have no anxiety. I am not stressed. I am not fearful. I am at ease inside. Is this, this comfort and, and welcome is being poured inside of me. And I've got this exterior position as well. So I'm in two places at once. I'm inside of this entity and I'm also outside. And I have, I don't know how to describe this, but I didn't have a location. I was, a, I was seeing myself inside this entity, moving in parallel with it up the way it came from this edge of darkness. And, and then it as I watched this, and we covered this vast distance in an instant, as it's 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 making me comfortable, and and showing me its mighty self. I know that sounds wicked biblical, but it's the it was this this might, this almighty, this this all powerful, this most that there is, and then it sort of and then it it, it like unfolded, or 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 it expanded. Or I don't really know at this transition point, there was this transition and I still can't see it. I just know that on one side of it, I was inside this limited form of light. It was this, this being of light that was gigantic. And, and, and then it, it either unfolded or, unf or opened like a petaled flower. And I found myself in nothingness. I was in no nothingness. This was a darkness in which that I was the only entity other than the entity itself, which is the darkness. So I'm inside um, the, uh, the like Jonah and the whale, the belly of the whale. I'm inside the divine being, but this is cosmic size. This is cosmic size, and I can see in every direction at once. I am an orb of consciousness, shed of my physical body and my identity, my brain, all the problems of my, my particular brain. Everybody, everybody's brain has limitations. Everybody's body has limitations. I was limitless in my capacity for self-understanding and being present in this as this this orb of consciousness. And I, so in my seeing, I could see in every direction at once. And, but my seeing was my being, and my understanding was my seeing, and my seeing was my understanding. There was no separation. I was one entity, and I was no thing in this. If, if I were a human being, and I was dropped in the middle of the ocean by myself, I might be afraid of the, of the, of the vastness of the ocean. But I have I had no fear at all. I had only comfort and self-recognition. I, I saw myself and I understood myself to be this higher being as I had always been. 
It wasn't like I became this. It's mm -hmm. like I had lived inside of that. I had been enfleshed in, in, in and embodied and incarnated inside this limited human body, but I never was that body. I've always been this. And I understood my own well-being. And um, I had, I had, I, I don't, well-being. And as I'm in this space, this then, and I can see, so there's this thing that I can't see beyond. So there's a, there's a limit to my vision, though my vision is uh, astronomically better than when I was alive. But the limit of my vision is the darkness of infinity that I can't see inside the infinite itself, inside the infinity, because of even in this, this, and this angelic light being, consciousness, soul, self, Atman form, I am this prana, this chi of self-reflection and self-knowledge that is energy and no thing. But even in this state, I am still not in the infinite. I, there's still limits to my vision and my understanding. And as I see this, this edge of this darkness in this place of no thingness, this like a, a rip opens up or, or a waterfall pours down or a door opens. And, and, and it's this flow of light. It's this, it's this waterfall of, of particles of every color light. And, and that night when I was dying, I was way, I was a couple, maybe a day and a half or two days drive from the Arctic Circle. This is remote Canada. I'm in the high peaks. The, I could see by starlight that night. There were so many stars of every size and color and shape and galaxies, and they were visible to the eye. And it was like this, this waterfall of this flow of stars, only colors that were beyond my physical eye's spectrum x-rays and, and, and infrareds and, and things not even like that I can't even imagine to tell you, but there were all these multiple colors of, of, of iridescent, of, of living um, light, and, and they were also simultaneously solidly white. So they had this singular and many aspect to it. And the they weren't separate, and and they they I saw them both at the same time, and I could see the surface of this, and I could see the depth of this because it was translucent, so I could see into the light itself, and then I saw through the light itself into a deeper darkness, and this deeper darkness was this uh, was a, a a portal, a tunnel through which I would, and so I as I look, it is the most seductive most desirous, most beautiful, most attractive pull that I'd ever experienced. I can't, it's, it's, and as I, I moved toward it with my consciousness, as it moved toward me and I touched it, it came right up close to me and I touched it with my, my being. And as I touched it with my being, I opened up and it poured in and as it poured inside me i expanded and then all these all these things happen simultaneously i expand into this super state and i'm in this super state and and i i tell it in a sequence but it is not at all in a sequence not in my experience of it it is all in the singular now and so the first thing that i'll say is that i i went through a hell of my own making i i all of the 
bad karma that I had lived in my life, that I had created in my life, all of the pain that I gave away with intention to all of the people who received it, in particular, my family. My life review was my family and my friends, and I'm inside their bodies, seeing through their eyes and feeling their, thinking their thoughts, feeling their emotions, but I'm seeing it as a uh, the divine sees it by being inside it. And I'm simultaneously inside my my other self, my Peter self, back when I was alive. But I'm I'm remembering and seeing all of the thinking and feeling all the emotions I was feeling and, and all of the reasons I was telling myself for the pain that I was causing. And because I saw the pain I gave them, I thought I was giving them this much pain, but I was giving them uh, swimming pool sizes. And, and, and in that, that juxtaposition, I, there was this, this, this self-judgment happened. And as I looked at the suffering that I created of my own will, I realized that I had hurt myself, that all of the pain that I gave away had accrued to me. And I was feeling all of this pain that I had created. And as I'm feeling all of this pain that I created and I judge myself, there's this, I, I, I judge myself, not against myself, but I judge myself against this divine that has infilled me and infused me with them, all this light particles of all these colors and, and the one oneness. And it's speaking love to me. It's speaking, it's, ma it's making love to me. It is love to me. And this love has always existed for me. It wasn't a new love. It was a presentation of already existing full forgiveness and welcome. And it, it showed me in this, in this love, it showed me that all of the love that I had given away in my life accrued to me. And all of the love that had been given to me was my treasure. These were my treasures through which I, I began to hear the, the voice that has no sound. So this entity, this, this fullness of light is inside of me and it's next to me and I'm inside of it, but I can't see it now. I can, my, my vision has become uh, only of portions of it, but the presence of it is far exceeds anything that I had seen. The presence of it is, is so much beyond my sensory, even in this entity as I was, so much beyond my sensory capacity to comprehend, but I could comprehend so much more. And so as this is filling into me and I, it's speaking love, I love you, I've always loved you, I forgive you, I welcome you, accept me, accept me. And through that lens of love that I carried with me, I saw my own human nature in like this cosmic context of all of humanity's sinful nature being the same brokenness as the origin of all of the universe and all of the galaxies and all of, of everything that is made of matter in the universe. It is this, this separation, this limitation of this purity. And, and by in order for all of this to exist, our cosmos to exist, there it has to it has to empty itself of itself and become a more limited form and part of the limited form in our universe is everything hurts everything else everything consumes everything else from the macro scale to the micro scale you get the black hole that's that's sucking down star systems by the multiple and galaxies 
and you get the microbe that eats us and kills us. We are the host and everything in between. It's all about this, but there's, but there's, no, there's no evil in it. It exists as it does because without this form of existence, it would not exist. And so as I saw all of humanity and all of the, the sins of, of every of the most wicked people you could think of in the history of, of West and East and North and South, that even they are on the same scale as me. And that my, my point of view shifted from, it's like I was on the moon. And I'm looking at Earth. And when you're on the moon, not that I've been there, but I've seen pictures, on the moon, looking at Earth, the Earth looks like a smooth, round ball. That's what it looked like to me. This great equality of all humanity and all of the universe existing as limited form of the unlimited, as a manifestation of the unmanifested. And in this, this made this radical equality for me that came it came back with me it didn't stay up there with me and and so as i see this as i'm shown this this is what i was shown everything i see i was shown i didn't go, go looking for anything everything was just shown to me and so as i'm being shown this i my my ear turns to the love itself and i am then forgive myself and all of all of the pain that i suffered that i'd given away was gone as if it did never existed and i was infilled and i'm going to stop here for a second cindy i'm talking on and on and on i can keep telling the story but i get it i i realize that maybe you have questions <laughs> well i'm tracking you i mean i can get it intellectually i haven't had your experience but i'm tracking you intellectually okay and the concept um when you first started telling the story, it reminded me of a Qigong teacher of mine who says, I am in Qi and Qi is in me. And then you went beyond that to where there was even no separation then. Yeah. And um, my question is, you know, as you come back, I, I know people who've had NDEs and they've come back from that experience with some kind of expanded capacity um, psychically like they see auras now or, um, yeah. So just um, that would be my curiosity about how this is now, you know, you've gone through this transformation and how are you showing up different in the world? And, you know, you've had to put yourself back together, so to speak, but not in the same way and not with the same limitations. Um, and so that's my curiosity about how, you know, it feels like as you're sharing your story that my view is that consciousness is and it's experiencing itself in all these different forms, interacting with itself. And it kind of felt like it came into your life and scooped you up and um, absorbed all of the experiences it had through you as an individual separate form. And um Kind of pur that purged um, some of the dross or limitation um, and consciousness seeking a form that allows its fullest expression, then re-inhabited you in a way that has now more creativity 
um, and more capacity to transmit and receive itself. That's my sense of what you're sharing. That was exactly accurate. And thank you, Cindy. That was exactly accurate. So this presence that came back with me, I came back supercharged and, and with no instruction manual. And it was 1980 and the web didn't exist. Internet wasn't there and I didn't even know what to call it. So I went on a quest. Um, and the, the magical, which is the way I was thinking of, of them at the time, uh, manifestations of my new self were immediately apparent. They didn't like, I didn't grow into them. There they were. And the first one, there, there came two primarily, well, three, I'll start with the third one. And that's the interior roaring of the divine presence inside of me. Like I, like, like it, I, I felt I, I chose to come back for this, for the sake of my parents and their dying process, which is what's going on, which began last year and is going, you know, we're headed in this direction for my mom. So the presence of the divine was my new living situation. My entire perspective, not just out here, but inside was now oriented with one eye up, permanently placed. And so I lived with these two eyes seeing, and in this sort of split self, I had to find a point of balance between them so that I could live in both worlds. This became my quest. And I didn't know that at the time, I just knew that I was lost. And when the first, when the warden showed up the next morning, it's a part of the story. The warden showed up the next morning and he said to us, were you the boys on the mountain last night? We said, yes, sir. He said, well, I came to see if I had to get the helicopter to collect your bodies. And as he said this to me, he's the first person other than my climbing partner I'd seen. There was around him and in him, this, this radiance that stuck out like an inch. And it's this, it's not, it wasn't color. It, I could see th through it. It was transparent, but it was this one inch shimmer and, and, and even in the seriousness of his question, his scolding question, uh, because we did, it was so dangerous what we did. Um, and there was this light that was inside of him that I'd never seen before, other than I was staring at it in my, my climbing partner. But here it was repeated. And then from that day forward, uh, everyone I met. And so suddenly it would be like, suddenly you, everybody was blue everybody appeared blue to me but nobody noticed that but me and so and it wasn't just over there it wasn't just that i could see it in people's eyes and see it around i could see it physically around them but it wasn't just that i could feel it from them there was this change in my perception of not just human beings but nature trees had this energy and and butterflies and puppy dogs and but human beings uh and and even human beings who weren't nice to me everybody everything everywhere and 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 then there's this other part that i was going to mention this third part 
is that is that everything was black and white and and flickering and and, and unreal and flat and two-dimensional but inside of everything sort of underneath everything holding everything including me is was this light that that is that i could see around people and inside of them the whole thing so now i've suddenly this this major impact in my life is now i'm living above the world i'm living i'm not even completely back in my body i'm above the world seeing through my body and i'm stuck inside this thing and i was angry that i didn't i, I didn't know what i was getting into I, I, it's hard to explain how you forget suffering, but I forgot suffering. Mm. And now I'm in suffering. And I wanted only the oneness of being. And so in my anger and my, my radically shifted perspective, I went in pursuit of the oneness of being. And that's where I found my balance point. I found my balance point by not focusing on my balance point but instead focusing on the divine light itself and the origin of the oneness of my own being. Mm -hmm. and, and in that place, it created a balance between these two worlds. And so my, my after effects, which include radio frequency interference, mostly on public radio, like out here in Maine, it's 90.1. I, I catch that wavelength and it's, uh, I interfere with my lights sometimes. Sometimes I'll be, I'll be talking to somebody and, my lights, I'll, I'll get really intense and my lights will flare, like noticeably from, I think I have them at like 12% and they go to 100, <laughs> like that, that kind of weird radio magnetic kind of thing happens. But those aren't the important ones to me. Uh, the important ones to me, the, the after effects that really, it's, it's the light inside of people. It's, it's the, there's comes this compassion and this kindness and when 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 you see the other as they are as themselves as yourself as the light sees itself there's this there's this reciprocity and exchange of divine energy and and if you if you are one then you know it because not because someone told it to you but because you feel it Every, and everybody has this inside them. It's just that some maybe DNA are masking it or something else. I don't understand how it all functions, but I know one when I meet one because I feel them and they know I know they feel me. But I didn't know that when all this was happening. I, I went into this deeper quest inside myself. Uh, I, I, I gave up my family career plan and I went to divinity school instead, and I studied mysticism, which they don't teach. I got a three-year independent study under the dean at Yale, and she allowed me to uh, pursue mysticism without question. And so I dove deep into the Western mystical tradition, classical mystical tradition, and learned about myself. And what I found there was that the People like Teresa of Avila and Julian of Norwich and Meister Eckhart and Rumi and Hafez, it's not just Westerners. It's a global phenomenon of mystical experiences that's trans-religious and, that and, and it's not dogmatic and it's not doctrinine, doctrinal, but it's always spoken in myth, symbol, metaphor, and symboly, and symbol, I'm sorry, in symbol. And, and the, these things... So I, I went in and I, and I did this deep dive 
I, I think the after effect that was most powerful for me was longing, was pain. My pain at having been separated from my beloved. That I knew, I, I knew myself as, as fully loved. That my, my, the fullness of the love that was inside of me was the fullness of infinite love. And I can't explain the expanse of it. And I was bereft and exiled. And so I, 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 I love the Song of Solomon because it's a love story. It's very, it's very erotic. I read it at, at all sorts of weddings and these two voices because it's not only a love story between human beings, it's between the soul and the divine. And the desire of the soul for the divine that you can't quite touch is, is, was the driving force of my life. And so my despair at this began, became my, the dedication and passion of my pursuit. So my suffering became my entryway. And of course, I didn't know that as I was going through it. All I knew is that I was angry that I came back and that all I wanted was my beloved. Thank you for sharing that. So I love that you bring this forward because there's there can be a myth, so to speak, like a, a, a disbelief or a, um, let's see, kind of a fantasy that people who have near-death experiences come back and they're just ecstatic, you know, and it's easy. And they're, you know, like you said, you were above the world, so to speak. And what I love about what you're sharing is that um, there is an integration process of how do you negotiate uh, living in a world that's based on a separation paradigm when you're, um, now instantly, you know, positioned in this oneness and that and it's hard to, it's kind of a loneliness, right? There's a loneliness about it. I was the only one. I kept yeah. this a secret for 20 years. I yeah. didn't, I didn't hide my eccentricities with it. I still made decisions through it. I still lived through its light. I cultivated like a garden too, for fear of losing it. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't hide any of that stuff, but I didn't tell anybody because they couldn't see what I could see. Everybody's blue. Everybody's suddenly still blue and they, nobody knows. And I do. And that is insanity. Right. And so better to keep it a secret and travel my journey by myself, which is what I did. Um, until 2015. So from 1980 to 2016 really is when it happened. So I died again in 15, but I was out of the, I was fully out of the closet by then. Um, but it wasn't until 2016 when I began to meet other NDEers. And, and, and I love that you brought forward that it's, I, I have a buddy who was, who's handsome. He was born super wealthy. He's very capable. He ran the company and, and he was, it was, I liked him, but he was kind of arrogant. And then he had a heart attack when he was 40 and he died and he came back full of joy. And he's like this super generous, very kind, like philanthropist kind of person who's just loves his kids and he's having fun and he's a completely different person. And um, I didn't get that thing. They're all, everybody who's, one of the things I learned in the study of mysticism is that there's also a fallacy that every mystical, every mystic is the same. And they're not. 
They right. share certain things in common. They share the singleness or the oneness or the unity goes by different names, but they all, every one of us lives filtered through our body and our brain and our cultural context and, and our, our language and our, you know, the whole kit and caboodle and all the pressures around us. And so that expression of this comes through this filter and, and the, that reintegration process, it took me a lifetime and I'm still, I'm still working on it, but I've had some big breakthroughs. Um, and so I'm, I live in a very different place than I used to, uh, always in this, in pursuit of the center of myself, but never able to have enough of a flow of it to overflow me and always keep me full. I practice this, this self-denial of, of silence in meditation quieting my mind not by controlling my mind and telling it to be quiet but by taking using language as my tool with my breath in order to find moments and breaths of silence and then the language falls away and you're just left with breath and in this practice and you fall into into this place beyond breath in this practice there's this training ground for the end of the false self and lots of practices it's not the only one but they all have the singleness in common and all of these mystics have that in common and the union in common. And all the rest of it is it's individual expression. So every NDE is different from every other NDE. And every lesson I learned, I came back with lessons I needed and uh, things, a job to do. And I... And the, and the strength to do it. Another one of my after effects is strength uh, and willpower and courage. I came back with, because I, because I know where I'm from, because I know I'm not my physical body, because I saw my other incarnations, not from the, I saw them from, I saw two from their inside and one was human and the other was not. And I don't, I could, I don't know what it was, but I wasn't human and, or where I was and, but I saw my other lives from a point of view of my higher self. So I know I live knowing I am temporary and knowing that I am temporary here and where I'm from and where I'm going gives me this, like a superpower. It's like a superpower of perception mm -hmm. is I, I, I live non-attached in the world. I own lots of things like everybody. I got a mortgage and a car and all this kind of stuff. But I, but fundamentally, in the very center of myself, I see the world is already gone. It's not. It's it. Jesus was talking about the world is passing away. It's because that it always is passing away. For everyone who passes through, it passes away, and everyone who has an, a body is passing through, and so it's always passing away. And it's also made of matter, so it's not eternal of it in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so even when you're speaking, you're saying, I have a car, I have a house, you know, that's not the I mm -mm. that is your um, immortal I, the infinite no. I, but you're, that's my false self. You're, you're relating to it, you're identifying with it because you have mm -hmm. to in order to function in this world, but it has uh, limitations and um, the filters, but that's the freedom. I mean, really. There's no freedom without limitation in terms of consciousness having an experience of itself. It has to have limitation in order to 
experience itself in physical reality and relate to itself in different forms and exchange information and gather data on itself, right? Yeah, exactly. The limitation is not the um, the death of consciousness. It's the instrument. It's the instrument. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, and every instrument, you know, as you say, has a different design and shape. So it's designed to play different tune, different music. It's it gets tuned uniquely based on its shape and how it how it um, its function when consciousness pours through it. Yes, a a flower. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Kind of what I'm hearing you say about is your experience. Is it? reconfigured you as an instrument for a different purpose or the same yeah. purpose but the next level of that purpose the next yeah, my, yeah for sure the both of those things maybe um repurposed definitely higher purpose for sure but i came back i i my 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 life ended i was it, I was I was due to die. I was on like a, if you go in through the ticket line, my ticket says definitely dead. Expired. Expired. There's yeah, all right. That's better. That's much better. Expired. <laughs> and um, and I get to the gate and I'm like, yeah, but what about my mom and my dad? And do I have to take this ticket? And because of eternal nature, um, I had a choice. And so I came back, which is why I was angry, because I think I made a mistake. So two mistakes that night. One was dying in the first place, and the other one was coming back. And um, but my 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 purpose supersedes my human existence. And and in some ways, your choice, because is, is was it really your free will to choose that, or was it just? Uh, it's the open? question. Yeah, it was chosen. It's consciousness choosing, or was Peter choosing? It's is there really a difference? Is it the same? same? Yes, that's when you question that choice. You know, that is, you know, I think questioning reality puts us in an interesting place. Put me in darkness. Yeah, that's where it put me. It put me in in in. And isolation and darkness and anger. Um, is, so I had this, I had not only had this lonesomeness, I had this anger that I, that I'd been, nobody showed me the fine print of the contract. Mm-hmm. And that, that, uh, because, because on the other side, I saw. You were, right. you were writing it. To I, your was, experience. I was, I, and I, and I chose my entry point too. I did, I chose, so I was presented with all these different lives I could have lived in this body millions of them and, and in the center of all of them was the divine light they were all kind of like a flower again wrapped around this flow of divine light and and i was encouraged to go to the light and i got kind of close to the light and then i was like i'm taking creativity and fl- i'm taking some flesh and so i go into this flesh body and and so not only did i am i writing it i chose it i chose this thing and it's not just a singular tunnel it's got all these other doors on it all my choices all my choices linking to all these other tunnels and 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 i saw them all and and as i live my life this is another after effect as i live my life i live in this more intense or less intense constant state of deja vu so it's not like so it's always seeing 
life before it happens. Not like, oh, tomorrow there's going to be, you know, the New York Times is going to write this thing. Not that kind of thing. Just the moment before it happens, I've been here before. And I know that it's all because of the choices that I'm making now. Or, it took a lot of adjusting. Yeah. So that you're referring to deja vu. Yeah, I'm referring to deja vu as an after effect, as a constant after effect. It feels like I float inside of time. It feels like I'm, so I have this unanchored feeling here. I'm constantly, because it's always shifting in front of me, because I see the shift, I'm always seeing behind the curtain. And I, or I see the code inside the matrix to a certain extent. And so because I see this, I'm always sort of, I've always been, and I had to learn how not to be um, disassociated here and non-attached. And so, and as I tried to weave myself back into the world again, to function, because you gotta, you gotta eat, you know, you gotta live here. You can't, I, I, you gotta do something. Uh, and as I tried to find my way there, here by being in the world, I found I couldn't do that. I found that the closer I got to the world, the more hollow it felt to me. And the more empty and hollow I felt, the more I was driven back to the oneness of being, which created my place of balance in the world. And, and actually then stripped away enough of myself. I practice a, a form of Kriya Yoga too. And, and all these for decades, the the create a space inside myself for the divine radiance to magnify inside of me so that I can survive here. This has been my, my interior pursuit and that the, the expression of that are the, are the true after effects of my NDE. And I have, I have, I, I'm very creative. Uh, I had a, uh, I, I've had a TV spot for 15 years. I wrote 1700 spots for it over 15 years and all all fresh material and always creative always inspirational but i, I was i'm like this font of creativity channeled into certain forms like every artist picks a form you know so a painter's not necessarily a poet um but i all in the service of the divine light all in the service of this divine love always trying to not only empty myself and create space inside myself for it to be present with me, I find that it spills over. That's what this energy is. It spills over from you to me and me to you and out through the microphone and out through the lens. And it connects with itself all over and, and all over the world. And it, this binding together beyond all of the definitions and religions and languages, this binding together is the presence itself inside us all. And and this is the this is the superpower of humanity, untapped, that because of near-death experience is driven by medical science, it's making shocking changes in people's lives by the tens of millions. So people take notice. You know, when families divorce because dad died, dad died and you're getting a divorce. Well, dad had a near-death experience and now he's not on the page with mom anymore. She still wants the Ferrari and the Jag. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to go to Africa and go work in a, in, in a jungle somewhere or, or better that not go to Africa, stay right here in the United States or Canada and, and do the work here, work where you are, because that's what happens to all of these NDEers. And um, that's what's been happening to mystics all over the world historically too.
because NDE is just a type of mystical experience. If you haven't had an NDE, and I don't know you, Cindy, but if you haven't had one, you sure talk like somebody who's had one. And in even if you haven't had one, if you had a, a comparable mystical experience, which people have all the time, all sorts of mystical experiences, it changes a person. There are so many of us in the world, so many, many of us. I want to talk about it. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I, 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 I'm so glad you invited me to your show and that you are conversant. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad you said yes. And so thankful for your generosity and the way you show up, just being so open and truthful and vulnerable and real. And um, I was just feeling into some of the things you were sharing about your frustration and um it feels like in those moments where you shared feeling frustrated, you were looking for yourself where you were not, you know? Uh, yeah, right. And then when you then reeled yourself in and and looked in the right direction and found the true nature and essence, um, then there was no more seeking, right? And I found that in my life. I've been I'm a seeker and of course, I've studied the mystics and we have a mm. lot in common. Um, nice. And I realized at a certain point that what I was seeking was to no longer be seeking. Yeah. And, the, and that I could only achieve that in the moment, that it wasn't going to come in the future after the next book or whatever. Mm -mm. It, it was in, in the moment of dropping in and falling open to what's here now and allowing it to have its way with the limitation of what I call myself. Exactly. And this is the great difficulty for most seekers is that the, the false self convinces us that knowledge of the, the next workshop, the next book, the next video is going to give us what we seek and it can't. It can give us tastes of it. Now you read the poetry of Rumi, and you, you can taste it in there. But there's only it's only through practice. It's only there really is the. Uh, why is the path so hard? Well, it, I don't know. It is. It's just the way it is. And it, it it you the only place that the divine is felt is here now. And for me, the 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 dedication that I had have toward the inner pursuit is born of desperation. It's and and so out of this desperation to be in the now, the practice of breath and mantra or breath and focus, or even beyond that place, the that place of silence is the place of now and it's cumulative. And so the more you spend a moment or a breath inside this space, the more the self, that one thin layer of the self peels away and there's more space inside. And then over and over and over again, breath by breath, then this space develops and, and then it's not in the future. Like, I don't know, I know I'm going to die and I'm not looking forward to going to heaven. Yes, I am. Okay. I, I was, I was suicidal for most of my life. Okay. So that's kind of a, that's, that's not a, I found in the meantime, in my healing, that I can actually bring heaven here now. And this is what you're talking about. I live in this state of 
the of the luminosity itself and not because i'm doing anything but just because i practice getting out of the way because you stopped <laughs> yeah because i stopped yeah that's it well, it's so I simple to, i still love to read and go to workshops but i'm doing it from a different oh me too I, I me too yeah just to go and just uh, be a passenger consciousness witnessing what consciousness is experiencing through me and um being um an observer and a witness to consciousness having an exchange with another being and um, being curious and open me too and i read a lot of books and i go to conferences and, and workshops and stuff you know yeah. I didn't that. mean to uh, I didn't mean to to dish that out completely, but the difference I mean I am sure you understand. Um, yeah, I know the difference. But I still go and I still read books. I just I just finished a course, a great courses on Confucius, Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus. Uh, well, I have a book for you you might like What's if that? you haven't already read it called The Radiant Sutras. No, I haven't read it it's um it's like what you were describing before with that what you know a lot of um similarities to the poetry of Rumi where there's the the ecstatic relationship within between the form and the formless nature of self and um this is a beautiful translation of tantric um a tantric text and it's been translated very wonderfully by a man named Lauren Roche. Lauren? L-A-U-R-E-N? L-O-R-E-N? L-O-R-E-N. I think Rauch, maybe R-A-U-S-C-H. I think that's, 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 that's good. That was, that'll get me there for sure. You'll find it. It's the Radiant yeah. Citrus. And um, yeah. I'm a fan of the Sutras. Yeah, you'll love it. Thank you so much again. And um, thank you all listeners for tuning in. It was a wonderful and fascinating conversation with you, Peter. Thanks for having me, Cindy. Glad you're out sharing your experience. And have fun at the inauguration tonight. <laughs> oh, thanks. Fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll thanks see you so next much, time. Everybody. Bye.